Hi, everyone, and welcome to another great session of Green Nickel 101, your source for eco-friendly EV nickel discussions. My name is Leah. I'll be your co-host today. And I'm John. Hey, John. It's been an incredible week. It has, in fact. Yes, it has. You I know, think it was exciting to get our season three going last week, getting all these creative juices going, the thought process, discussing some of our new episodes that are up and coming. So I think it's it's going to be an exciting season three and uh, certainly looking forward to it. Yeah. And our beloved Captain Kirk had a chance to uh, fly up in uh, low orbit to put a new, a new meaning to the beam me up, Scotty. It was more like yeah. uh, beam me up, Jeff. It was spectacular. Yeah. I think that uh, was uh, something that touched the whole planet. And, you know, I mean, if you look at uh, Star Trek, which started in the 60s and developed such a huge cult following, uh, especially through the 80s and then with the introduction of the movies and stuff. I mean, you have this figure, 90 years old, William Shatner, right. good old Canadian boy, went to McGill University, performed at Stratford. I think every then, Canadian was pretty, uh, yeah. you know, so, happy for him. Yeah, but to actually for him to be able to touch and join an elite group of people that have been to space. Yeah, and you know what? Who, who who knows? Maybe one day we'll have uh, battery-powered uh, rockets. <laughs> who possible. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a far-fetch, but we'll save that for another day. We, you know what? Today's episode, we're going to focus on battery versus hydrogen power. Uh, but listen, before we get started, let's quickly recap our previous episode. We talked about sustainable certified batteries. Uh, Eco-sustainable, safe batteries have some kind of an accolade or certification program so that consumers can know what they're buying when they're buying their next electric car, right? Consumers Um, demand transparency these days. mm -hmm. You know, and there's so many levels that go into the production and manufacturing of anything. So to be able to gain that that, uh, transparency on, on the journey that products take, from start to finish, mm-hmm. I think is very important for consumers these days, yeah. which obviously applies to uh, battery storage and EV technology. Yeah, so. and transportation. So certifying batteries that use sustainable, safe, eco-friendly materials, the processes that are you know, involved and the supply chain and labor and all that sort of thing, making sure that the materials are properly sourced mm-hmm. and uh, doing it in a safe way. So uh, we also talked about building Canada's sustainable battery supply chain. So um, that was a great episode. And if you missed well, it, you know you got a chance to check it out. Yeah, I think what was interesting about the spotlight is is just impressing upon Canadians to be leaders. They can be leaders in this sector of the battery supply chain, as opposed to being a passenger. Right. So. Yeah, and here's our chance. But now let's move on to this week's discussion, battery versus hydrogen power. All right. So, you know, we all of our episodes up to this point are a great recap. Like, you know, if you take little bits and pieces of all our last three seasons, we can come up with some a recap on the benefits using NI nickel mm-hmm. battery technology. Uh, there are other types of uh, batteries out there. Let's focus on the nickel you know, yeah. So we, we have a firm understanding at this point of mm-hmm. what is encompassed, encompassing battery technology. Yeah, so let's look at the, the battery pros. storage. So, so what I think what we're trying to do in this episode is throw kind of a fly in the ointment. Let's like you know let's let's get a punch or a counter punch going here. We've established that it certainly appears that the world has embraced 
the battery platform as it pertains to mobility, energy storage, domestic uh, storage as well. So, you know, a lot of people talk about hydrogen power and, and how is the hydrogen platform, uh, uh, how does it look moving forward? Forward, Will it challenge the, uh, the battery technology? Mm-hmm. Can they coexist? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is well, well. Let's look at let's let's break it down. Let's look at the nickel battery technology, right? What, what, give me some benefits. So, you know, top of the list here, we're ta- we got good energy density versus you know, like good range versus cost, right? Mm-hmm. We know we can get pretty good combination, low kilowatt hour uh, r- cost, mm-hmm. and very good energy density using a nickel X uh, battery configuration. That's a benefit, right? Yeah, good bang for your buck. Um, and it can be sourced environmentally friendly and sustainable using nickel sulfide deposits so that when sourced from socially, environmentally and governmental responsible regions like Canada, we minimize carbon and toxic footprint. So it can be done. Of course, there are messier ways to do this, but it can be done. It's proven. We've talked about it in our previous episodes, right? Um, mining nickel sulfide in a responsible way is in line with global green initiatives mm-hmm. and supports an efficient transition to a global electrification of power storage and transportation. There's another benefit, right? Yeah. Um, just What's going down this list, I have a whole bunch of talking points here. You want to chime well, in on I, any I, of these? I think what I'd like to say, and if any, anyone who's actually listened to all our episodes, which I hope all of you have. If start, you haven't, d- start don't on do episode that. one. Start yeah. on episode one. Take the journey with all of us. Um, so what the battery platform, battery storage platform does is it checks all or most of the boxes moving forward from an uh, efficiency point of view, cost effectiveness, safety, environmental. We've friendly. talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I think we want to explore here is, you know, how many of the boxes does the hydrogen platform check? Well, yeah. I'll go through a few because, yeah. you know what, somebody's got to take the hydrogen side, so I'll volunteer. Uh, but before we do that, let's, let's add a couple more to the list of batteries, right? Mm-hmm. Versatility of battery technology. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, it could be used in household applications, stationary storage. It's yep. very flexible. Transportation, yeah. not just consumer transportation, but also commercial. Um, and anything that I missed, maybe rockets well, one day. One, maybe one, Captain Kirk will be on a rocket-propelled, electrified, uh, you know, one, something one of or another. The, one of the phrases that uh, Elon Musk has tended to use quite a bit over the past couple of years is scalability. Right. You can have a great concept. There's so many, you know, you imagine how many different uh, avenues are being pursued in this uh, renewable future that we're moving towards. And there's so many forms of technology that potentially could challenge battery technology, could challenge hydrogen, et cetera. But are they scalable? Can you actually take this great idea and scale it into a format where globally? You, yeah, where you can produce a hundred thousand units a day out of a factory. So mm-hmm. the beauty of of the battery technology that is being developed today is it is in fact scalable. Right. The NCM combination. I think Tesla's proven that. Yeah. yeah. They're slowly. I mean, one of the things they got hammered on was the fact that maybe they produce maybe 50,000, 100,000 units a year. And, and, you know, General Motors, larger companies were doing millions. But 
fast forward two years, three years, and now they're doing a half a million mm-hmm. plus. I think they're I think they're past those numbers. I think I'm behind on those uh, metrics. I think they're quickly approaching the million dollar or a million piece or units a year uh, of production. You exponential know growth. Exponential growth. So they're they're showing the scalability model, and they pick the battery, of course. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they could have went with hydrogen fuel cells or combustion uh, program uh, programs, but they said no. We think. This is where the future is, and that's that's what their decision was. And let's see what happens. Safety-wise, though, it's proven battery technology has proven to be relatively safe, and it's getting safer. Uh, we talked about instead of liquid electrolytes, uh, electrolytes, we talked about using solid state that would definitely, you know, make things a little bit safer uh, on well, the battery higher, side. A higher energy, and the, again, the platform is moving towards solid state within the next. Call it three years, right? So we can uh, cross, we can check that off the list. I would yeah. think so. greater, greater energy density, mm-hmm. more safety, mm-hmm. uh, greater range, lower yeah. cost, right? So. Lower cost, yeah. And they're going down. Uh, they continue to go drive them down. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about pros for hydrogen, right? Um, I'll, I'll start first here. So the byproduct. One of the things I loved about hydrogen, you know, early on, this is way before Tesla even came out and said, "Hey, we're going to build cars." Maybe about eight, ten years ago, I heard about a combustible engine that used hydrogen, and the byproduct was water vapor. I was elated. I was amazing to hear this. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. This will fix all our carbon emission issues. Um, clean exhaust if combusted. Uh, great plus. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, I watched a. A video once, and somebody put like a glass underneath the muffler, and you saw water droplets just, you know, going in there. I don't remember if the guy drank it or not, but it, it gave you the perception that he could, you know. Um, also, hydrogen is a very common element. It's all around us. You know, H2O, like in water, but there's I'm gonna, hydrogen. I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. How are we producing and collecting the hydrogen for ultimately being used in well, it's, it's got to get extracted, yeah. yeah. And we'll get into some of the cons there. But let me give them a few more pros here. Let okay, me give, let's we, give them a few more Before we slam hydrogen, let's work on the well, pros first. <laughs> we're not trying. Listen, if hydrogen was the silver lining, I'd be all team hydrogen. Right now, I am team hydrogen. So let me continue here. So uh, it doesn't need to be mined, per se. So we're not having to get all kinds of heavy equipment, and it's not prone to those mining challenges of, you know, extracting ores out of the ground using whatever questionable, you know, labor uh, challenges or equipment things, challenges. Things we discussed in our and, previous episode, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it has to be extracted, okay? But let's say one of the good things, it doesn't have to be mined. Another thing is hydrogen could be both used in a combustive kind of technology, like you have a combustive engine that actually burns liquid hydrogen or maybe a combination of that and oxygen. But um, you also have hydrogen fuel cell technology, mm-hmm. which is a pretty efficient way of getting electricity uh, created through this process, hydrogen fuel cell technology, right? Yeah. We won't go into the details of that. But it ultimately produces electricity to power an electric engine. Yeah, it's very so. efficient. It's not as efficient as fusion, let's say. That's very efficient, but it's a, a very good, efficient way to get electricity mm-hmm. um, through that process. So those are great pros for hydrogen. Uh, now let's go into some of the challenges here. Uh, you meant you were mentioning um, a couple um, just earlier. 
Yeah, well, scalability ex, ex, was one of them. Yeah, um, well, on the extraction side, right? So you wanted to yes. say, hey, look, on the how do we get the hydrogen? All right, mm -hmm. let's let's go into that. And we have a great couple of articles here we can reference. Um, there are some definite challenges, and you know, most of the hydrogen today is extracted or produced using not so green technology. There's uh, an article here: Is hydrogen really green? And um, I call it, you know, the dirty truth. I didn't realize this, but uh, reading this article, this article is from ebrd.com. Again, um, we're going to have um, links to all these articles. There's about three or four articles we're going to reference. They're in our comments section. But in here, um, they actually give a name to the hydrogen uh, that's produced by which method. So is there green hydrogen? There can be, but right now most of the hydrogen is either gray, which is sourced from natural gas or black. Black hydrogen is referencing hydrogen that uses coal technology or coal power to use energy to, uh, derived from that to get hydrogen, which is not very good. It's not good, but I would say, you know, case in point with even the EV and battery technology, I've been saying this time and time again through our podcast episodes is that technology is forward looking. And, you know, the product or the technology that you have today may be the first step or the second step in a journey. Okay. Um, you know, funny little story. I'm going to, I'm not going to do the way back time machine here, but I'm going to provide an interesting analogy. Uh, one of the old, University of Western Ontario business school case studies embraced the idea of these chicken farmers, okay? And these mm -hmm. chicken farmers uh, realized they came up with this technology that, that, uh, that chickens actually produce more eggs under a red light environment. So you have two chicken farmers. The first one says, well, I'm going to talk to my buddy who, who's a sunglass producer and have him make 100,000 small little red lens sunglasses. Chicken sunglasses? Chicken sunglasses. <laughs> you put the glasses on the chicken, and they see red light, and they lay more eggs. The other chicken farmer did something a little bit more simple. He just went through his whole warehouse, whole factory, and he changed all the white light bulbs to red, to red light bulbs. Right. Had the same Created effect. a red light district yeah, uh, in so, the chicken coop. Yeah, and they were popping out eggs like Tic Tacs. <laughs> so, I mean, what I'm saying is you go through these different processes in trying to strive for greater efficiency, right? Right. So, I mean, you make mistakes along the way. And I personally think that, you know, although I see the, the, the hydrogen platform being somewhat cumbersome and flawed, you know, you, you still have to go and fill up somewhere. You have to have tanks. You have to transport yeah. the liquid hydrogen in a way. But there, there, there's going to be space for the hydrogen technology. And I think personally, I think they can coexist. Uh, you know, you're going to have a, a long, many, many years of the ICE vehicles in decline. ICE vehicles will still be around for a long right. time. And green They're technologies, which can be a combination yeah. of battery, hydrogen, fuel yeah. cells, There's combustive. Enough room. We, yeah. And we got a couple of references on how, you know, combustive hydrogen is, is still going to be around, I think, for mm -hmm. a while, especially in aviation. I'll talk about that in a sec. But the pace of discussion on green hydrogen, if we can color code, you know, the bad and the, and the good, right? has picked up, especially since the outbreak of coronavirus, right? Uh, because, you know, uh, everyone's sort of, hey, now's our time for change. And now's our, 
you know, time to transition. Governments that include like Germany, Britain, Australia, Japan are working on or have announced hydrogen strategies. So, for instance, Australia set aside like 300 million uh, Australian dollars, about 191 million U.S. dollars to jumpstart hydrogen projects. Portugal is planning a, a new solar powered hydrogen plant. That'd be good. Uh, which produced hydrogen by electro electrolysis by 2023, only a couple of years from now. The Netherlands has unveiled a hydrogen strategy in late March, outlining plans for 500 megawatts of green electrolyzer capacity by 2025. So, yeah, just to give you know some applause, you know, applause accolades, accolades to hydrogen. Um, we are transitioning, and we could very well see these gray and black hydrogen categories you know, turning more green as time turning goes more forward. green. And, and you, you could have, uh, you know, green hydrogen technology coexist with green battery technology. Right. But, you know, there, again, I, I just see the concept being a little bit more cumbersome, uh, a little bit less versatile. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, anyway, I mean. Well, you, you got German auto giants, you got BMW and Audi. They're starting to place bets on hydrogen cars. I don't think they're going to make all their cars hydrogen, but you know what? They're they're jumping on that coexistence mm -hmm. bandwagon, right? Um, they're developing hydrogen fuel cell passenger vehicle prototypes along with the fleet of battery cars. Uh, yeah, what do you think of that, John? I think that's a pretty good, I, th I think it's a smart move. It's, you know, let the consumers decide, let, let technology. It's called, it's called hedging your bets. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, they yeah. are hedging their bets. It's exactly what they're doing. They're calculating, you know, a change in political winds could shift the balance towards hydrogen, right? And an industry that's shaped by early mover Tesla decision makers on going battery. Well, or, you know, there's an early mover advantage, right? And and you either jump on the bandwagon with where it appears the industry is going. And in this case, obviously, the industry is going towards more battery-based technologies for providing energy storage and mobility. Or you can take a different approach and, as I just said, hedge your bets and explore, uh, explore the hydrogen platform. And mm -hmm. I think that some of these automakers have, have chosen that path. Yeah, these guys are hedging bets, all right. But, you know, they're billion-dollar bets. These are, yeah, these well, guys there's, are there's economies of, of scale at play, too. I mean, it's sometimes when you focus on one technology as opposed to splitting into mm -hmm. two or three, you create some economies of scale for yourself. Case in point, Tesla's market mover advantage. Yeah, and I think, you know what, the decision to go hydrogen or battery electrification really depends on a lot of factors, um, but also there might be some niche sectors that make sense. Like, mm -hmm. you know, in the steel chemical industries, they, they may very well, you know, in their challenge to meet climate targets, um, you know, may very well adopt some of this, uh, hydrogen, uh, fuel cell technology out there. Well, it the might Air make sense. Airbus, right? uh, uh, platform, I think is, a, an obvious choice. Yeah. Aviation. For so Airbus has a new initiative. It's their zero emission initiative where they're banking on hydrogen propulsion, not using fuel cell, but more propulsion or combustion uh, technology to deliver a zero emission commercial aircraft by 2035. This article's on the airboss.com uh, link. You can check it out yourself. And there's zero, they call it the zero E concept aircraft. Craft, right? And they're hoping that this will shape the development of future zero emission aircraft. This aircraft is going to run on liquid hydrogen mixed with oxygen 
to uh, power their jet engines. It's wow. It's interesting. Um, and you know what comes out the back. And right now, like these aircraft are using kerosene, obviously aviation fuel, which is kerosene, which is a pretty efficient of the fossil fuels. And uh, but um, they burn so much of it that I mean, this is a way much better, way much cleaner, greener. Like well, I mean, it's the, an exciting. The trailings platform. will be all vapor, basically. They're yeah. creating clouds in the skies, basically. Right. I will throw one question out for you here, uh, being our hydrogen representative today, Leo. Uh-huh. Team Hydrogen, go H. How combustible is hydrogen? What are your risks of an explosive scenario? Well, that's that's the challenge, right? So look, um, like um, high-pressured gases like propane have been around a long time for cars. Why didn't they take off? I don't want a 3,000 pounds per square inch tank behind my seat or below my seat. I just don't feel comfortable with that. They've done a lot of tests on gasoline tanks, and it's very hard to blow one up. Like, it's really the vapors. It's not under pressure. It's not under pressure. Uh, you, You know, you might have a gas leak. There could be a trail. And, you know, unless you're, you know, I mean, in in cartoons, they kind of make it uh, a little bit animated where, you know, uh, the coyote and the and the Roadrunner episodes there, you know, where but you the got... the beauty with the coyote is he always survives. He always so. survives, <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. But you don't want to be the coyote, right? You think no. to yourself, hey, I don't want to be that coyote sitting behind this uh, strap to this um, You know, the rocket you know, going up in the space. Right. You know, high-pressure <laughs> tank. So, uh, I don't know. People, I think, are a little concerned at that. Now, if I were to put a big high-pressure tank in the wings of an aircraft... And it's commercially, you know, engineered and all that kind of stuff. I feel a lot more safer about it. I mean, you are, let's say, 30,000 feet in the air uh, anyway. Well, there, there, um, there'd be a bit of a stigma they'd have to overcome there. Because I'm sure that, you know, I just mentioned it, just popped into my head. Well, what about no, the it's a very it's yeah. a very good point. And, and that's one of the reasons why hydrogen vehicles, you know, didn't really take off. It's a, it's the safety of it. It's the perception, uh, even if it's a false sense of you know, safety. It's, it's, um, you know, I feel safer being in a gasoline powered car than a propane mm-hmm. powered car that has uh, a tank somewhere near the engine and stuff. If you ever watch uh, YouTube videos of some of these propane tanks going on fire, it, it is like you have these barbecue tanks that go up. Uh, they're super hot, very, you know, destructive. You can't put them out. So are you, you, are you suggest, you're suggesting then that a hydrogen tank could um, explode or combust in a similar fashion to safety a- is always got to be the number one top top high priority when you're using these technologies. Mm-hmm. And although you've had like batteries that combust and can go on fire and all that, and we've talked about how technologies are coming out with solid state and everything else, and and also to eliminate those yeah, problems, and, and yeah. the circuit boards and the programming on them too. They got to keep be kept cool, and they got to be kept in, you know, stable kind of, you know, formats and stuff, you know, and solid state does that uh, quite well. And uh, listen, I'm not a scientist. We're, uh, well, I think the moral of the story before we move on to our uh, our spotlight here is, you know, again, touching on all these technologies, don't be putting rose-colored glasses on your chickens. Change the light bulbs. <laughs> right. Makes more sense. <laughs> Makes more so sense. So you apply that concept to any of these formats. I'm sure that whatever hurdles there are to overcome can be achieved through a bit of engineering, a bit of common sense, and uh, obviously... Um, yeah, and I think they will coexist in different applications in different industries. And, 
you know, it makes sense to use batteries for consumer uh, transportation and probably uh, to some extent storage, uh, stationary storage applications. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make sense to use, um, uh, you know, hydrogen fuel cell and combustive propulsion systems in certain technologies. So, mm -hmm. listen, you know what, the... the, the um, the answer is up to our consumers. We're going to decide and, uh, you know, time will tell. And we'll leave it up to our listeners to uh, opine and uh, we'd love to hear your comments. And without said, you know what? It's time for our spotlight. This week's Spotlight has been brought to you by Tardison Nickel. Tardison is drilling its Kenbridge Nickel Sulfide project in Ontario to expand the resource and meet the needs of the rapidly growing EV battery market. Class 1 nickel is an essential component in battery production and a critical element in the North American supply chain. The Kinbridge nickel deposit indicates there is significant potential to expand the mineral resource estimate with additional high-grade targets at the Kinbridge North site. Tardison Nickel, TN on the CSE. Yeah, we have an exciting spotlight this week, Leo, because we touched on building Canada's battery supply chain right. and how... You know, we firmly believe that Canada can be a leader in all of these. Instead of a passenger. Yeah, important minerals in the battery supply chain. And it's going to take the cooperation of governments and the initiative of some of these mining companies and junior exploration, exploration companies and investors. To step up. Step up, produce, you know, participate in the private placement. Put your money into something that you've done your due diligence on. And, you know, we've explored some of these companies in previous episodes, and it just so happens we're going to. Well, look one of at our, spo our sponsor, uh, Tardison Nickel, um, they announced a 10,000 foot drill program back in uh, a few, several months ago, and they've been working um, diligently. Diligently on the. On yeah. the uh, and guess what? You know what? They just announced uh, some PR this week. Yeah, That's they, why they, existed. They, the, uh, they announced um, two drill holes a week ago. Um, and they announced two drill holes this week. Assay labs are quite slow, so it's not like you're releasing 10,000 uh, meters of drilling all at once. You're, 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 you know, releasing one or two or three thousand mm -hmm. meters at a time, right? So. Yeah, and and for our listeners, if you want to read more about it, uh, go to tardisonnickel.com. Uh, in the news section, right at the top, top of the list or near the top, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. You'll see uh, Tardison Nickel intersects 25.5 meters of 1.13% nickel, 0.61% copper, including 4.5 meters of, you know, almost 3% nickel, 1 point. These, these numbers are incredible. And 1.5 meters of 4.17% nickel. Am I reading this right? This well, is incredible. You know, being a nickel head, okay, we're yeah. nickel heads. And hopefully most of our audience are nickel heads as well. If they weren't before, they should be now. <laughs> and, you know, if you're reading press releases from some of these junior uh, mining companies out there, you know, you're seeing results of, you know, 0.3% nickel over 50 meters or 0.5%. Once you're getting over 1%, those, those are big results. I defy our audience to go out there and try and find some nickel results uh, that are north of two percent, one and a half. You know, even mentioning four yeah. percent, even though over, even though it's over a small mm -hmm. uh, uh, target, one and a half meters, very significant. It certainly implies that there's more there. You know what? Just to give some perspective to our audience, uh, this is the Kenbridge Nickel Copper Cobalt Project in uh, Northwest Ontario, yeah, near Kenora, yeah. Sioux Narrows, and uh, this 
feeds right into this whole concept of Canada, you know, being a big supply chain, you being know, a leader, leader yeah, yeah. right? And uh, junior mining um, operations like Tardisense that, you know, stepping up to the plate. Well, you know, again, if, if this if this headline doesn't garner some attention, if this headline doesn't get in certain uh, uh, market leaders out there and investors excited, I don't know what does. I mean, gives you their fabulous results. There's a lot to uh, there's a lot to digest in these numbers, and I'm not a geologist, ladies and gents. But you know what? What we're going to have a geologist come on board in one of these future episodes that'll help break down some of these numbers for us, because I got a whole bunch of questions myself, and uh, you know, and understanding what these actually mean. All I know is they're good numbers from what I've previously the, seen. A, a, a geologist would be a logical step forward and help filling some of the gaps. And as we're going on this journey together of expanding our perspective and our knowledge base on this crazy sector of the... Uh, Ever-evolving. Ever-evolving, exciting sector. To bring a geologist in to add a little bit, bit more advanced perspective, I think. Taking another layer really, off the onion uh, the onion it. itself, yeah. right? Well, listen, with that being said, John, we're, we've reached the end of the show. So thank you for joining us. We hope you to see you next week. Don't miss it. Let us know what's on your mind. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle's at GreenNickel101. We'll answer any questions on our upcoming episodes and be sure to leave comments and opinions. And remember, we upload new episodes every week. And until next time, think nickel and have, have a, a green, green day, day fellow nickelheads. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Take care. Tardis and Nickel, traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange, symbol TN, or over-the-counter, symbol TTSRF.